agnostics, long-haired weirdos, short-haired weirdos, vandals, hooligans. The government hugs the government love. The government hugs the government love. The government Welcome to the Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a professor of political science at Northern Kentucky University. I'm joined today by my conservative counterpart, Cleveland area attorney and defender of freedom, Jay Carson. Hey, Mike. Hey, Jay. How are you? You good. I'm doing okay myself. So there was a bunch of, there were a number of things actually we didn't get a chance to get to on our weekend show. I kind of expected that because I figured we'd be talking about the Silicon Valley bank failure a lot. And we were complicated. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot going on there, but there are a bunch of other things we wanted to get to. And one of those things is the uh, uh, Willow Oil Project. Now, Jay, I would say it's fair to say you're generally not a fan of the Biden administration, but I think this is a decision I expect you'll like. And uh, one that I'm maybe a little less crazy about. It, it is. I was I was pleasantly surprised. So yeah, and on Monday of this last week, the Biden Interior Department announced that it approved ConocoPhillips's multi-billion dollar Willow drilling project on public lands in Alaska's North Slope. And this is one of the biggest new projects in, in Alaska in, in really in, in generation, in a generation or so. Uh, and the decision comes after years of delays and lawsuits from environmental groups, as well as some Alaska native groups. And it's a pretty significant reversal for Biden, who as a presidential candidate promised, in his words, no more drilling on federal lands, period, period, period. Period. That's four periods if you're counting. Uh, so there you go. Uh, now, I should point out, though, that ConocoPhillips had held leases to the prospective drilling sites for more than two decades. And administration attorneys argued that by refusing a permit, that would trigger a lawsuit that could cover that could cost the government as much as five billion dollars if ConocoPhillips won, which they thought they would, because the leases are in effect a contract, and denying the permits without sufficient cause would likely result in a judge ruling against the administration. Now, one would hope. Yeah, well, now ConocoPhillips estimates that uh, the project will create around 2,500 jobs during construction, around 300 permanent jobs, produce around about 180,000 barrels of oil per day at its peak, and then 600 million barrels over 30 years, and result in somewhere between eight to $17 billion in new revenue to the federal government over that 30 year life of the project. So, But along with this, sort of in an effort to placate environmentalists, the administration also announced that it was indefinitely withdrawing 2.8 million acres in the Arctic Ocean from future oil and gas leases, as well as writing new regulations on land drilling in Alaska. And the Interior Department made a point of noting that they had substantially reduced the size of the project, uh, denying ConocoPhillips two of the five drill sites they requested for a 40% overall reduction in the size of the project. And as you might expect, there will be lawsuits to follow, just like there were when the Trump administration approved the project in 2020. And the first two, in fact, came this week from the environmental group uh, Earth Justice and law and the law firm Trustees for Alaska. And these groups are asking for an injunction and arguing that the environmental analysis done by the Biden administration, which concluded that the project won't have a major impact on the environment or climate, is deeply flawed. They specifically cite the analysis failure to consider the effect of the project on threatened species, including polar bears, which are native to the region in which the drilling would occur. 
And these lawsuits have been filed in the U.S. District Court for Alaska, which in 2021 vacated the Trump administration's permits due to an insufficient environmental review. And if these groups are successful in their request for an injunction, it could actually delay construction for at least a year because major parts of this construction rely on ice roads, which will become impassable by some by some point in April, so a little more than a month from now. So, Jay, uh, I know your maybe default is drill, baby, drill, but there's I mean, there's a little bit more to it than that. So well, what's your take on this? Um, I, no, actually, I, I, I don't know that there's much more than that. Um I'm 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 pretty simplistic. Uh, look, I think we ought to we ought to take advantage of of the natural resources we have, um, uh, and uh, to the full ex- extent we can. Uh, it's it's heartening that the administration has approved what it approved. Uh, it's it's a little disappointing it didn't approve everything, um, but uh, I, I think a, a sure supply of oil is vital to. Uh, our economy, our national security, and indeed world security to some extent. So um, I, I will revert to the simplistic drill, baby, drill. Well, I, I, I think there's more to it because, number one, because the project would average, could average, sorry, and these estimates tend to always be overstated, I think you would agree, uh, around 20 million barrels of oil per year, roughly, if you average it over a 30-year period. And for context, that's just over a day's worth of U.S. oil consumption from 2021, which was the last year I could find data. So this is not a huge Difference and according, in fact, to the administration's model, this will 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 project will lower global oil prices by around twenty cents per barrel once it's operating at peak capacity, which is going to take a while. So, to give you a sense of what that means, as of last week, the uh, benchmark for a barrel of oil for Brent was trading at around seventy five dollars a barrel. So, twenty cents. This is not uh, a big deal, as uh, one person pointed out. It's, it's not really going to make a dent in either prices or supply of oil. But what it will do, at least to a certain extent, is, is you know, make a difference in terms of carbon emission. I mean, the Interior Department analysis found that it would add 239 million metric tons of carbon emissions over the next 30 years. That's an average of around 9 million metric tons per year. And to put this in the context – in 2021, which is the last year for which the EPA has publicly available data, the U.S. Provide, or produced around 5,593 million metric tons of emissions, meaning that the Willow Project would be around a 0.16% increase or roughly the equivalent of adding around uh, 2 million gasoline-powered vehicles to the road. So that that kind of I think puts it in some context. And, and I mean – I I guess my position is this, is that I think the Biden administration's legal analysis is probably right. And if you had to approve it anyway, if you were going to lose the lawsuit and have to pay out all this money, well, you might as well just go ahead and approve it in the first place. But I think that environmentally, it's certainly a loss without being much of a gain in terms of energy security. Um, I, I say um, more oil is better uh, than zero oil. Uh, the other important thing that I think this signals, um, and this is this has been a problem <clears throat> for me through, throughout when when uh, Biden would say things like uh, no drilling, period, 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 uh, period. Um, the message that sent, as long as as well as things like, you know, we're going to bankrupt uh, coal companies and so forth. Um, 
the message that sends to that sector is uh, don't bother investing. Um, and, and that's because we've talked about this a whole lot of times. Um, these projects take a long time to get going, a long time to get up to speed, uh, a long time before they start producing results. Uh, if you take away that incentive to even invest, because listen, it's just going to get denied uh, eventually. Um, uh, I think that's that's uh, terrible, and that impacts markets uh, in terms of of uh, you know you're always not not necessarily just pricing oil based on how much is available today, but how much is available you think tomorrow, um, and what that capacity is going to be. So. Um, to me, I think that's I think it's it's a good thing. Um uh, and, and regardless if we it's it's better to have more domestic facilities available uh in case of an international shock. Yeah, except um, that it doesn't quite work that way because the the type of oil that's going to be produced here is not really the type of oil that works well with uh, the biggest refineries. And so, I mean, there, there's a lot. Oil is not just oil, essentially. And also, it's, this is a very small increase. I guess my question to you, Jay, so, is – But here's my, my thing is, is look, there's there have been recent um, diplomatic overtures between the Russians and the Saudis uh, that they seem to be getting along uh, great now. If tomorrow Russia and Saudi Arabia turned off the spigot, um, would you be would you be uh, happy or unhappy that we have decided to go forward with the Alaska oil drilling? Well, I, I would I would reject the argument because that's not how it works. Uh, it's not that there's a spigot that Russia or Saudi Arabia could turn on or off. I mean, oil, just like this whole ridiculous idea of of having energy independence, that's not how energy, that's not how fossil fuels work. It's an international, it's a global market. And so I think there's this idea that, well, we'll just produce all the oil, all the oil that we need for ourselves and our kind. That's, that's just such an incredibly simplified and wrong understanding of how world energy markets work. And so that that's why I, I kind of reject that premise. But let me let me put something. So, well, on. I mean, I, I, again, Vladimir Putin's able to shut off the gas, the natural gas flow um, to Western Europe. Um, the Saudis in the past uh, have there have been oil shocks. There have been uh, trouble in uh, the, the Suez Canal that have blocked that global supply. What I'm saying is, sure, it's a global market. Um, but there are different components to that global market, and at any given time, uh, they could be taken offline for political reasons or uh, natural disaster reasons or, or whatever. But I don't. I don't uh, think. I guess that's interesting. At, that, at yeah. that point, we're we're better saying, um, you know, well, why don't we? That at that point, then what I'm saying is is the onus would fall on on the U.S. and domestic producers to try make up more of that global market. If other capacities taken offline. See, I, I would argue, and I see what you're saying, and I would argue in the short term, or I would agree that in the short term, that makes sense. But of course, this is a project that really won't start producing anything significantly for a number of years. And I would argue that the right. smarter- so that's, let's well, start, let's start today. Well, yeah, see, that's, start, but, start sooner. Well, see, yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's where you're, you're fundamentally wrong because you're ignoring one big part of this is that burning fossil fuels, generally speaking, is a bad thing. And I think you would agree that burning fossil fuels is not good for the environment. Yeah, I'd say on balance, probably. On balance. Okay, so there's a, there's a, yeah. there's a scenario in which burning fossil fuels is awesome for the environment. It's not bad for the environment. Yes, yes. In, in terms of uh, 
creating, uh, burning fossil fuels, providing more energy to, um, for other innovations, for, uh, other, um, uh, expansion and, um, that's a separate uh, thing. I would raising say. the standard, raising the standard of, of living, um, is, is better, uh, you know, for, that's not the environment, in, but that's in, for that's for well-being. Sub-Saharan, Sub-Saharan Africa, where where people will die because of indoor uh, heating, where they're they're burning dung to to keep their their homes warm. Um, uh, yeah, introducing fossil fuels uh, there uh, creates a higher standard of living. Higher standard of living, ironically or not ironically, it's it sort of makes sense. Um, tends to uh, result in more concern about the environment uh, and more environmental um, uh, regulation and conservation. Um, so, so yeah. Well, yeah, because when people have a higher standard of living, they tend to use more resources and that means requires more fossil fuels and other things. And so that puts a greater strain on the environment. Yeah. And, and so also when you're talking about, uh, it, they also um well let's let's put it this way mike our our emissions us emissions keep going down because of technology um because we're better at this than we were 50 years ago 100 years ago um despite having more cars on the road it, it's it's almost like if if without your fossil fuels you don't um create your electric vehicles. In fact, while well, there's nothing to run your electric vehicles on for the most part. Um, but, but without, without this, this, this energy, you also, you don't do things like create the vaccines that you need. Um, you don't have uh, functioning markets to, to allocate capital. Um, there's a whole lot of what, what I'm saying is, is you, I, I reject the notion that burning fossil fuels bad uh, completely. I think there's, the fact that that we rely on them and get a whole lot of energy to do a whole lot of really good things um, is important. And the idea that you can just say, well, um, we'll stop and therefore it's better or that there's there's some alternative. Uh, and if it's, you know, well, OK, we'll just do some strip mining um, to get uh, rare earth elements uh, using slave labor in China. Well, is that better um, than pumping oil in Alaska? Um, let's let's pump in Alaska. Well, sure. Um, and, and I think um, I think you're right in that the negative consequences of associated with renewables have been downplayed by some folks. Those things, those things that you mentioned, certainly. And, and that needs to be weighed in the balance. And, and I guess where we tend to disagree on a kind of basic level is you are a lot less concerned about the uh, environmental consequences of burning fossil fuels than, than I am. Right. And, but, but I, th I would guess, but I would guess there's a point at which like you, if, for instance, let's say that this project would result in the uh, an increase in emissions. That's like 10 times what it actually is would you i mean is there, there's a limit i, I would guess right at which yeah, no, would say, I, I would say yeah there's there's obviously a limit where yeah yeah and again in the liberal imagination there are these these factories out there that all they do is produce pollution right and of uh, course not yet the there, case. Was, there was a, there was a great i think like onion piece or something about that about uh um factory now you know produces 100 percent pollution you know no products um that but but that's not really the case uh 
and I would say, you know, what do you say to the person in sub-Saharan Africa? Um, say, hey, you need to cut out fossil fuels, which might bring you uh, and, and your family fresh water um, uh, and uh, better medical treatment and, and uh, economic growth and all the, you know, things that go with that it might get you out of poverty. Um, compared with, you know, we're really concerned that water levels might rise and these people already have their um, houses built on stilts out in Malibu uh, might get flooded. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and I think I, I believe that fossil fuels have to be a very important and vital bridge to a, a, a better, cleaner energy future, whether that's, you know, some combination of nuclear, hydro and, and you know, and solar and so forth. But, yeah, you can't just say, well, let's fossil fuels bad. Let's just eliminate them. And there are some there are some zealots, I guess you could say, kind of at the far left who believe that. But I, I mean, I'm with you and that that's just not. a. Well, I mean, there are there are some there are some zealots in the administration who said things like. Drilling on federal, no drilling on federal land, period, 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 period. Well, sure. And and that's, you know, there's campaign rhetoric and then there's the reality of actually governing. Was it Cuomo said you, uh, uh, was it Mario Cuomo, who famously so many years ago said you, you govern in or you campaign in. Go, govern in, po- you campaign in poetry, poetry and, and you govern, govern in prose. prose. Yeah, exactly. So, and I think that's sort of the, the case there, because if, if we were going to, you know, take, uh, I think you, you believed in taking Trump seriously, but not literally. And I, I think if we're going to have that standard, we should have it to all for all politicians. I would guess, not just, you know, uh, Donald Trump being sociopaths or narcissists or whatever. Anyway, okay. We hope you enjoyed this preview of our supporters-exclusive midweek show. If you'd like to hear the rest of the episode, we hope you'll consider becoming a supporter. Supporters get ad-free access to all of our shows, membership in our Politics Guys Discord group where you can join in on the conversation, and other benefits at different levels of support. To become a supporter, go to patreon.com slash politicsguys. You can also support us through Venmo or at politicsguys or through PayPal. You'll find all of our support links in the show notes as well as at politicsguys.com slash support. And if you'd like to get the midweek show, but you're not in a position to become a financial supporter, that's not a problem. Just send me an email at mike at politicsguys.com and I'll be happy to get that set up for you.